Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The volume. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight here at The Volume. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope all of you guys are having a great week so far. We've got a jam-packed show for you today full of preseason reactions. The Boston Celtics had a dress rehearsal of sorts last night against the New York Knicks, where their offense looked devastating in the first half. We're going to break that game down. The Clippers had a similarly impressive dress rehearsal against the Denver Nuggets. And the last but not least, the Oklahoma City Thunder had an impressive performance against the Milwaukee Bucks, led by Damian Lillard and Giannis, who look a little rusty right now. So we're going to break down all three of those games from the perspective of all six teams. And then I have three mailbag questions for the end of the show as well. You guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're launching a brand new YouTube channel. I I think it's actually active right now, but we're announcing it tomorrow morning. So keep an eye out for the Hoops Tonight YouTube channel. It would mean the world to me if you guys would take a second to go over there and subscribe. I think it'd be really cool if we could get that number somewhere really big before the end of the season. And then follow me on all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm going to be using Instagram and TikTok and Twitter to do a lot more video content this year than I have in years past, especially as I'm doing the film breakdowns. Don't forget about our podcast feed under Hoops Tonight and continue to drop mailbag questions in the YouTube comments so we can keep hitting them at the end of the show's throughout the season. And then last but not least, before we get started, the start of the NBA season is less than a week away, but we still have NFL in full swing, college football in full swing. The uh, Major League Baseball playoffs are going on right now. My Arizona Diamondbacks just got the shit kicked out of them by by the Phillies last night. Uh, But there's still concert and comedy shows that are touring around the country as well. And the best way to get tickets to any of these is on GameTime, the fastest growing ticketing app in the United States for amazing last-minute deals on tickets to see your favorite football team, see your favorite baseball team, see your favorite basketball team starting next week. Uh, download Game Time today to get those tickets. And again, it's not just sports. There are several huge concerts and comedy shows still on tour, and Game Time has your tickets. Download the Game Time app and redeem code HOOPS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, download the Game Time app, enter code HOOPS, that's H-O-O-P-S, for $20 off. No matter where you live, get out and have some fun this week. Download the Game Time app, 
Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let's talk some basketball. So the dress rehearsal for the Celtics, they started their five best players, like I've been begging for them to do all preseason. So they started Derek White and Drew Holiday alongside Jason and Jalen and Kristaps Porzingis. <clears throat> all five guys played at least 24 minutes, stretching into the third quarter. They scored 78 points in the first half, and that was with a little dead stretch there at the end of the second quarter. They were scoring at will, and it was classic pace and space basketball. Everybody was involved. The ball wasn't sticking anywhere. People were making quick decisions. And because everybody can dribble, shoot, and pass, it's borderline impossible to guard. All of these Kristaps Porzingis pick and pops, he's just standing at the top of the key wide open on these. They're going to be able to get good looks out of there all the time. They can... It was really like this simple. They dribble the ball up the floor, and if it wasn't Kristaps, it would be someone else, like a guard setting like a ghost screen or something. But they'd get a closeout opportunity like this. The defense is in rotation. And then that guy, let's just say Drew Holiday, comes and sets a ghost screen for Derek White and then pops the three-point line. They throw the ball to Drew, and Drew's got a guy closing out at him. It's like a pump fake and then like one dribble, and then it's a wide-open three every single time. And like I, I think they made like 16 or 17 threes just in the first half. And like if you really zoom in on them from the standpoint of shot quality, these are good looks. Like These are really, really good looks. This is replicable offense. And it's just a combination of like – it's funny because every team needs to have an offensive identity based on their talent. And the Celtics have a great combination of ball handling and shooting down the roster, right? Like their core five guys are all extremely gifted – offensive players and so it doesn't make sense to run heliocentric style offense with this group you don't want to go down and just have Derek White and Jalen Brown stand in the corners and Drew Holiday stand on the wing and just have Kristaps Porzingis come run pick and rolls that's not the right way to run this type of team whereas if you've got Brooke Lopez and Malik Beasley and Chris Middleton it might be a little different right like in that case you might want to space more and run more of the same actions over and over again Again, like I talk about this with coaches all the time, you never want to gear your, uh, you never want to force your players to play your system. You want to gear your system to your players, and this is a pace and space, drive and kick team, and they can be really formidable offensively when they play like this. It's a big part of the reason why I feel like Boston's going to run away with the conference. It's one of my biggest takes for this year. I, I think the Celtics will be at least five games above everyone else in the league let alone the rest of the conference in the regular season. Now, we could talk about the playoffs. Uh, obviously, like the Knicks were able to stagnate them a little bit there in the late second, early first quarter. There are going to be stretches where rhythm becomes an issue. Like you can kind of see, like, because everybody can play, certain guys get squeezed a little bit. Like Jalen Brown in particular kind of seemed out of rhythm in that first half. He started to get going in the second half, but like they were kind of force feeding him the basketball a little bit. So, like, you, you, they're going to have moments where they don't look great. In the postseason, it's still going to come down to half-court shot creation from guys like Jason Tatum and, and, and somebody else out of that group that's going to have to rise to the occasion. But over the course of the regular season, they're going to kick the shit out of a lot of people because in a night-in, night-out, less scouting, more depth-oriented basketball, they are going to thrive in that setting. Jason Tatum looks awesome. He had 28 points on 15 shots. A lot of the usual stuff we're accustomed to seeing from Jason Tatum. But I liked the aggressiveness I saw out of him in the post. It, like you'd see him get, you know, uh, like uh, um, you'd see him get Quentin Grimes on on the left block, 
and just immediately his eyes would light up and back him down and just bully his way to the basket. He did it to Evan Fournier in the second quarter. He did it to Daquan Jeffries in the second quarter. You know, it's funny because we think of Jason Tatum as like a scoring wing, but the dude's gotten huge over the years. He's legitimately a very big and strong basketball player, and I've been begging over the course of the last year for Tatum to maintain his shot variety. Not just everything out of a face-up or live dribble from the three-point line into a step-back three or driving into the paint. When you limit yourself, if you shut off the middle of the floor, you make it so that the defense is not even worried about 80% of the shots that normal players could take, right? They know they can press up on you in the three-point line and offer help at the rim and slow you down. You need to show a willingness to work in the middle of the floor. And again, it doesn't have to be a bunch of step-back 19-footers and really tough turnaround jump shots. Sometimes it's as simple as just turn your back and bully your way to the basket and maybe take like a short fadeaway that's closer to the rim or go all the way to try to draw a foul. He's looked really good in the post so far in preseason. He's run eight post-ups that have led to 15 points. It's 1.88 points per possession, an exciting start for uh, Jason Tatum in the post this preseason. Uh, Boston's defense. So the Knicks shot really, really well in this game. They made 19 threes themselves. They came out guns blazing. You know, Dante DiVincenzo hit a long three at the start. Quentin Grimes hit a bunch of threes right at the start. They shot the ball well. Uh, but they also played extremely hard, and they're very athletic. So they kept it close throughout. I was actually really impressed by the Knicks and just their overall you know, competitiveness in this particular game. But the Celtics did have some stretches of frightening defense. Joe Mazzulla had them running this like 2-2-1 press off of made baskets in the first half where like occasionally they'd catch the Knicks off guard and and they wouldn't set up a press break and it would just be like Deuce McBride in the backcourt just getting trapped. And and uh, they the, the Knicks threw some kick-ahead passes to try to beat the press where like Al Horford was playing center field and was able to make a play. Like they actually kind of caused some issues for the Knicks in their press uh, uh, press defense. But I like it in a, for a couple of different reasons. It really just establishes the defensive end as something they're schematically trying to do, which will keep a mental focus down the roster that will help them to be more focused on the defensive end of the floor, right? And then again, to me, it's an aggressive mentality as well. This is not a team that has a dominant defensive front line, right? Like Kristaps Porzingis is a, is a good rim protector, but he's not a great rim protector. Al Horford and, uh, is you know a good defensive player on the back line, but he's certainly not a great defensive player on the back line. They're not a team like you know, Giannis and, and Brooke Lopez, where it's actually better for them to kind of sit back in the paint and try to funnel guys into them. This is a Celtics team that needs to play aggressive defense. This is a team that has defense down the roster. They're a perimeter defense team. They have a lot of guys that can play passing lanes and get aggressive in ball pressure. And like, that's the, that's the defensive identity that this particular team needs to have. And so I like the overall attitude that I've seen from the Celtics so far in preseason. Looks a lot more close to that 2021-2022 season rather than last year where I thought they went down a level defensively. And again, like this, if you're a playmaking defense, that means you're up in passing lanes and you're applying ball pressure. That's what ignites you going the other way in transition. <clears throat> On the Knicks front. Bunch of key guys sat out, so I'm not going to spend too much time on the Knicks, but a couple of guys that I want to shout out. Deuce McBride, he didn't shoot particularly well, but it's always funny to me in these games when the stars are out 
because you find out pretty quickly which one of your role players actually is comfortable getting to his spots. And again, Deuce didn't shoot particularly well, but he was like the one Nick that seemed like he was comfortable kind of like getting over the top of ball screens, getting the defender in jail on his backside and getting to his spots where he could get a quality look. Like you saw Dante DiVincenzo, for instance, kind of struggle with that in this particular game, which is not a big thing because obviously Dante DiVincenzo is more of a role player and not a guy that you're going to have on the ball a ton. But I think Deuce McBride kind of flashed a little bit of his on-ball you know, comfortableness or comfort or whatever you want to call it uh, against that Boston defense. Quentin Grimes came out guns blazing from three, made a couple of nice uh, driving kick passes, attacking closeouts as well. Dante DiVincenzo, like I said, struggled on offense, but I thought you saw a lot of his defensive upside, particularly in the late second quarter and then in the early third quarter with what he can do on the perimeter disrupting ball handlers. And then last but not least, Jericho Sims, 10 rebounds and three blocks in 32 minutes. Had some nice isolation defense possessions against Jalen Brown where you could see his athleticism be a problem. Again, he's only 24 years old. It's pretty exciting what Jericho Sims could be in the big picture as well. I'd like to give you guys an update, kind of big picture on the Knicks in the preseason, but Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle have barely played. I think they've combined to play 28 minutes total combined in this entire preseason. So it's hard to say at this point, but the Knicks are going to be one of the teams that we cover very closely during the regular season. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you feeling stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started to see a little more of your scalp? Are you unhappy with your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted, whole-body approach. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, and faster-growing hair with less shedding. Physician-formulated with drug-free ingredients, Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within, by targeting key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism through whole body health. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription, or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day and you'll see results in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker and healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code 
Hoops. That's H-O-O-P-S. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code HOOPS, H-O-O-P-S. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code HOOPS. All right, moving on to the Clippers and the Nuggets. So, Paul George, 23 points in the first half on 9 of 13 shooting. Did a really nice job attacking and getting downhill. Again, that's a huge thing for Paul George. He can be one of those guys that, like, it's funny because he's renowned around the league as one of the better, you know, skill guys in the league. But this is a guy that was below 50% in effective field goal percentage on pull-up jump shots last year. And a big part of it is he has a tendency to just take extremely difficult pull-up jump shots. And so I like Paul George when he's more aggressive, getting closer to the rim. And he made five shots in the paint in this game, including three shots at the rim, but he's getting closer shots. If you look at Paul George's shot chart, it's not a bunch of 19-plus foot jump shots. It's a lot of stuff closer to the rim, which I think is a direct indicator of his ability to be efficient the way that he was. Uh, But he looks healthy, and he looks locked in in a good spot coming into the season. 25 pick-and-rolls, isos, and post-ups. So far in preseason, leading to 32 points. It's 1.28 points per possession, which is awesome. I want to spend a minute talking about Russell Westbrook, who had another great game in a Clipper jersey last night. I just love his fit with the Clippers. And again, fit is everything. I I talk about this concept all the time on this show, but the list of responsibilities on a basketball court. And your stars are good at taking big chunks of those responsibilities away. But if you have guys that feel the same chunks of responsibilities, so for instance, like rim pressure playmaking. Like, well, LeBron's two best qualities are rim pressure and playmaking. So if you put him on the same team as LeBron, all of a sudden, like, He's kind of trying to do the same things that LeBron is doing, but like LeBron's weaknesses at this phase in his career is he hasn't been as good of a perimeter shooter, right? And like, uh, like obviously he's trying to conserve energy over the course of games, uh, like on the defensive end of the floor and stuff like that. And like Russell Westbrook at this point, he can't shoot and he struggles with some of the off ball stuff. At least he did with the Clippers, which we're going to talk about today. So again, it's not a big shock that he struggled to impact winning within the Lakers system. When the things that he was great at were things that they didn't need from him, right? And then we look at the the uh, the, the the Clippers in their situation, and they the two biggest weaknesses in their offense are rim pressure and playmaking. So you, you you absolutely need the things that he's great at, and you know he's been better in a lot of the things on the periphery, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. But like I also think that kind of stuff is connected. If he's able to impact winning within the two things that he's best at. That's going to naturally make him feel more confident, more bought into the system, just generally happier. And it's easier to be good at your job when you're happy. How often do you, you know, go into a relationship and if you're, if you're in a bad mood, it's harder to be nice. It's harder to, to, uh, to keep a good attitude about stuff if you're upset because you're hungry, tired, fatigued, annoyed, whatever it is. And the same thing stretches into every single relationship, every single job you have right? Russell Westbrook was deeply unhappy in a Lakers jersey. And so I'm not surprised that he was less committed to make better decisions, cut back on pull-up jump shots, uh, be more committed on the defensive end of the floor. Now he's happy with the Clippers and he's more willing to do that stuff. And again, I don't think anybody's blame-free from the Lakers situation. It's all of their faults. Russ is to blame. LeBron and AD are to blame. The the Laker fan base is to blame. The coaches are to blame. Everybody's to blame for that situation going south. But at the same time, it was doomed on arrival. So I don't really hold it against anybody involved, including Russ, including the Lakers themselves. And so I'm just happy to see him in a role that makes a lot more sense 
with the Clippers. Uh, I want to talk about a couple of specific ways that he's really helping this team. Uh, first of all, in transition, the Clippers made just 615 field goals in transition last year. That was bottom 10 in the league. And remember, transition possessions are, again, you want to you want to talk about your personnel. We talked about this earlier when we were talking Celtics-Knicks, but like, it's all about your personnel. Like, If you don't have transition personnel, then it's unrealistic to make them run if they're not going to be good at it. You need athletes, guys that like to run, high motor guys, guys that are more... Uh, like read and react and quick as opposed to like slow down and methodical, right? PG and Kawhi are a little more slow down and methodical, right? But the beautiful thing is, is you can do it even when those guys are trailing the play. Like Russ can s- grab an offensive or grab a defensive rebound or grab an inbound pass and sprint up the floor. And Kawhi and Paul George can kind of work up at their own pace. And as long as Russ makes good decisions, it'll work out. Right, like if he goes piling into three uh, uh, three dudes in the paint and turns it over or misses a layup, obviously that's bad. But if he dribbles up the floor and backs down into a quick post up and then identifies that nothing's open and then dribbles it out and they run offense, it can work. Right, and again, like there were some specific possessions that I saw where where he's just generating really high quality opportunities for guys like Kawhi and Paul George in transition. There was a play where. Um, uh, uh, Russ pushed the ball in transition, turns his back at the uh, uh, right block, and starts backing down. And Zeke Naji, who's guarding Kawhi, who's trailing the play again, because Kawhi's not a guy who likes to play with a ton of pace. He's kind of jogging up the left sideline. He gets to the left wing, right? Kawhi's, uh, Russ is backing down, and Zeke Naji sn- sinks down below the foul line. Russ throws it to Kawhi. Uh, Naji closes out to Kawhi, but closes out short, and Kawhi just shoots like a standstill pretty damn open three that he makes. Like, that's a really easy shot for a guy who, when healthy, is a top five player in the entire world. And you can generate those types of open shots through rim pressure, through transition pushes, which were things they were not getting until Russell Westbrook was in the system. There was another Kawhi Leonard transition three in the corner. Same type of thing. It was off a made basket. Uh, Julian Strother hits a pull-up three against a, a bad pick-and-roll coverage from the Clippers. Russ gets the inbound pass on a make and just runs like crazy down the floor, does like an over-the-head rip-through, uh, like that Dwayne Wade over-the-head the pullover dribble against uh, Reggie Jackson, gets all the way to the rim, pulls in a help defender, and throws a kick pass to Kawhi Leonard, another completely uncontested three. There's a little a point where you pause right as Russ is throwing the pass to the corner all five Denver Nuggets were in the paint. This, this, this is the value of rim pressure, which you can generate in transition as well as you can in the half court. Shot in the half court as well. Like Russ can like really cause problems for smaller guards in the post. Jalen Pickett is a big, strong guard who uh, who just got drafted for the Nuggets. Russ like just buried him in the post. And uh, uh, as a result, DeAndre Jordan had to come over and help at the front of the rim. As a result, Justin Holiday had to kind of sink down to help on Zubak. And he just throws the kickout pass to Paul George on the right wing. Now Paul George, one of the 15 best players or 20 best players in the world, pump fake. You know, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Justin Holiday. Runs by him on the pump fake. Just one easy dribble into about 19 feet and rising up for basically a, a practice jump shot for one of the best players in the world. And again, these are things that they absolutely weren't getting before he was in town. And, and that, that's, I shouldn't say in town because he stayed in the same town, but in a Clippers jersey. I think there are very specific ways that Russ complements this specific roster. And again, like I, I've, I've talked about this all the time. One of the most valuable elements of NBA offense 
is rim pressure. That is what compresses the defense. It is what generates offensive rebound opportunities and closeout opportunities. When the defense is in rotation, or then your aggregate ball handling and guys attacking closeouts and things like that can get great shots. He fills a need. <clears throat> now, the key to Russ making a winning impact even in this role comes down to three things in my opinion. The fit, which we just talked about, but defensive commitment. We saw him play defense at one of the highest levels of his career in the first two games of that Phoenix Sun series. If he continues to do that, that's something that can push the ceiling of this Clippers team even higher. And again, that kind of brings me back to the happiness element. I think he could be more committed on those details simply because he's happier in a Clippers jersey than he was in a Lakers jersey. And then last but not least, limiting mistakes, taking away bad shots. Like here's a stat for you. Russell Westbrook has not attempted a single pull-up jump shot this entire preseason in like 30-something, in like 37, 38 minutes. That's a significant stat. Last year in the preseason for the Lakers, Russ took six pull-up jumpers. It was still something that was in his diet back then. Here's some crazy stats for you. A pull-up jump shot from Russell Westbrook in the 2022 season, his full season with the Lakers, was worth 0.8 points. Last year with the Lakers, it was worth 0.77 points. Last year with the Clippers in the regular season in the playoffs, it was worth 0.83 points. So it's just been a bad shot for years now for the Clippers, and it appears that he might finally have made the adjustment just to take it out of his game entirely. Again, he's taken zero of them. And this is a guy who loves to take those jump shots. That's a significant move towards limiting his mistakes, limiting turnovers. That's something he's going to have to get a little better at. He's been turning it over uh, at a pretty high rate in a Clippers jersey. He's over five turnovers per 100 possessions in last year's regular season in the playoffs and in this year's preseason. So he'll need to kind of tone back that a little bit. Uh, and then last but not least, the or lastly, the uh, uh, off-ball mistakes. So like losing a shooter off the ball or missing box outs. But if he can limit mistakes and commit on the defensive end, he I'm not talking about he can be he can impact winning. He can impact winning at a top 30 level in the NBA, like legitimately at a fringe star level if he does uh, if he checks those boxes on the defensive end and in terms of limiting mistakes. That's how valuable he is pressuring the rim and as a playmaker. Within this type of system, within this roster, where they need what he brings to the table, that's how strong his strengths are. And again, like there's been a lot of like misconceptions surrounding Russ over the last couple of years. Like I saw another, uh, I, I can't remember who it was. It might have been, um, was it Gilbert Arenas? I think it might have been Gilbert. But somebody was like, oh, I can't believe Russ is ranked 89 in the play ESPN player rankings. Like, how in the world is Russ this low? And it's like there is a huge kind of like disparity between what most people think about Russ and like a lot of like specific player like former players and fans think of him right and Russ does have like a very loyal fan base of people that are extremely defensive of him and the reason why that 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 big chasm of opinion exists is because of the highs and the lows Russ's highs are not quite at the level it was when he was an MVP, but they're pretty close. Like he can still be like damn downright destructive uh, to the opponent in for stretches of basketball games because of how gifted he is athletically at his position. Still, but it's an up and down experience with Russ because he can be very mistake prone. And in the past, the highs outweighed that, but it became a more convoluted story in recent seasons, and that's where that kind of gap in opinion exists. But to be clear, the high end of that opinion, all of Russ's fans, the, 
the former players that defend him so staunchly, that stems from how high his highs are. And they have still been there over the years, and he is still capable of reaching those highs. But overall, I'll just say as a basketball fan, I have very, very much enjoyed watching Russell Westbrook in a Clippers jersey in a way that I haven't um, in recent years. One last note on the Clippers before we move on. The Clippers went to a, a, an, a, a, an all-wings like switching lineup at the end of the second quarter. It was Paul George, Kawhi Leonard with Russell Westbrook, Kenyon Martin Jr., and Nick Batum. And they went on a run. They were switching everything. There were multiple possessions where the Nuggets literally didn't even get the ball inside the three-point line. Again, like switching is a great way to shut off two-man game and three-man game situations when you communicate well, right? Because like if a guy comes off a dribble handoff or off of a ball screen and he just runs into a new defender and then his defender has switched onto the screener, that action has been shut down. There's no opening, right? And that's a great way to like stagnate your opponent. And uh, they had they had a lot of success there, and they went on a little run. There there were some uh, downsides, like they gave up an offensive rebound to Zeke Naji, where Russell Westbrook was a little overmatched from a size standpoint underneath the basket. There are always downsides to to switching, but again, it's about the give and take. And as long as you uh, uh, take more than you give back, it can be a big positive. And you know they, they've they've played a lot of switching groups in the past, but. They didn't have guys like Russ or, or Kenyon Martin or even this version of, uh, of Terrence Mann who are like guards but that can guard like forwards but also have like real speed and quickness. Like a lot of their old switching groups would be like Marcus Morris with Robert Covington and, and Nick Batum. And it's like, okay, it's a lot of tall, thin guys, a lot of guys that aren't super, super mobile, right? Whereas like now I've got a switching lineup here with – Kawhi Leonard, or excuse me, with uh, uh, Russell Westbrook and Kenyon Martin Jr., who are two freaky athletes that are just super fast on the perimeter. Like, there's a version of that where you take Nick Batum out for Terrence Mann, and they could be even faster, right? And then when you combine that with the Russell Westbrook, like, or the Russell Westbrook, like, uh, rim pressure element, because that was the other thing, is on the other end of the floor, they, they weren't uh, as effective offensively as they could have been in those situations. That's where you get the, the Russell Westbrook rim pressure element, too. I think the small ball lineups for the Clippers could actually be more devastating this year than they have in recent seasons of this era. On the Nuggets front, I, I liked what I saw from Julian Strother again. He only went three for 11, but there were some pops of high-level stuff, especially in his first shift, because he was getting guarded by Kawhi Leonard and still kind of getting to his spots. Um, a lot of the shots he missed in this game were kind of on rotations, like catch-and-shoot situations and good looks that I expect him to make in the long run. He made another another tough floater on a back cut against Nick Batum that where he was being smothered from behind and he still made the floater. He got fouled on another floater by Kawhi Leonard. He was five of six on floaters before this game in preseason, so that's turned into a devastating weapon for him. And then he had some really nice feeds on rolls to the rim for DeAndre Jordan where he'd come off a ball screen, get two defenders, pump fake high, pull that arm way out to the right and throw that swing bounce pass into the post. He's up to 19 points on nine pick and rolls in preseason. That's over two points per possession, which is unbelievable. And then Peyton Watson. I have two other guys, two other nuggets I want to shout out. Peyton Watson still can't make a jump shot and is still missing way too many shots at the rim. But his athletic pop off the dribble is something that really popped off the screen uh, for me in this game. I talked about that switching lineup for the Clippers. Again, what happens when a team switches? They shut down your actions. From there, you have to find a way to get them in rotation in a one-on-one -on -one matchup, right? And two of their uh, good offensive possessions against the zone were literally Peyton Watson driving closeouts. And he had one on Paul George and another on Kawhi Leonard. 
and again, like he's obviously super raw and he's going to have to polish up the skill stuff. But Peyton Watson's like slashing ability is a real uh, exciting talent that uh, that could amount to something in the big picture. And then the last guy I wanted to shout out was Hunter Tyson, a player I haven't had a chance to watch yet. Uh, he's big and he can score the basketball. He hasn't shot well in in uh, previous preseason games, but when I watched him in the game against the Clippers, he looked like an NBA player. He had a nice jumper and pick and roll around like 10 feet from the basket. He uh, had a transition possession where he bodied Robert Covington at the rim for a finish. He had a couple of nice threes on the move, uh, getting his feet set quickly. He had a powerful transition dunk. Again, he, he just looks like an NBA player. I'm not sure if he'll make the Nuggets roster, but I he just looks like a guy that I'd see in the NBA somewhere. He's tall, can shoot, mobile, smart kid. I, I think I think he's someone that can play in the league. All right, Thunder Bucks. Chet Holmgren struggled a little bit with Robert uh, uh, Rob uh, Robin Lopez's physicality. You could tell Robin was going out of his way to just shove him under the basket and shove him out of position on box outs and jam him on screens and do everything in his power power to make him feel uncomfortable. And you could tell Chet was getting a little frustrated and a little fatigued in particular, but I, I don't think that's going to be an issue in the big picture because Chet also had a, a good game in this game overall, I thought. But I thought that was an example of some of the struggles he'll have in his first season just by being thin, which is something that is not unique to him. There are a lot of thin big men in the in the NBA, but that's something he'll run into. I thought you saw some of his defensive upside against Damian Lillard. We all saw the clip on social media of Dame coming off of, uh, against a switch and hitting that hard step back to his right and Chet blocking him. But there were also a couple possessions in that first quarter where Chet really bothered Dame on pull-up jump shots and pick and roll just by having his length up to contest. There was one in particular at the top of the key where Dame changed his release a little bit and shot it higher and ended up leaving it short in a large part because Chet got a good contest. And if you look at the replay, Chet didn't even come out that far. He didn't even come out above the level of the screen. And, and that's the unique thing with his physical tools, with how long he can be. Uh, he can just cause problems without having to go all the way out, which is a real weapon. Josh Giddy had a nice game. He had 19 points on 12 shots. Generated a lot of good closeout opportunities with skip passes. That's his unique talent, right? He's big, and he can see over the floor, and he sees the floor well. So he can make those skip passes in a way a lot of smaller players uh, can't. He's been an important connective piece for them over the course of the last couple of seasons. He's at 1.36 points per pick and roll and 1.67 points per ISO in preseason. Nice game from Josh Giddy. Uh, Giannis just obliterated the Thunder front line when he was out there. It was actually kind of funny. There were several possessions where he was posting up Jalen Williams, and it honestly looked like a, a man amongst boys. Like I don't know that phrase gets used all the time, but this was like the literal version of that. There was a play where like he posted up Jalen Williams on the left block and like spun baseline and just dunked over Chet Holmgren. Like, like Giannis is is in prime shape, obviously. Damian Lillard though. A little out of shape, in my opinion. He left a lot of jump shots short on the front of the rim in this game. It really just, he just seems like he's just not quite in that midseason groove yet. He's just three for 16 on jump shots in preseason. That's his best skill as an NBA player, right? So obviously he's going to make those shots. I wouldn't overreact to it. To me, it's more important that he gets guarded like Dame, and he still very much is getting guarded like Dame. There was a stretch in the early second quarter where Dame was out there without Giannis and it was all reserves with him. And in that lineup, like the Thunder were just double teaming him whenever he had the basketball. And there wasn't enough skill on the floor around him to make them pay. But like teams are still guarding Dame like Dame. And that will, obviously, to win the title, they're going to need Dame to make shots, which by the way, I believe he will make shots. But 
in the big picture, especially in the early part of the regular season while Dame's playing his way into shape, it's more important that he's guarded like he's Damian Lillard, and he is very much still being guarded like Damian Lillard. And he did uh, end up coming out for the start of the second half and playing a, an extra shift there in the third quarter, and he had a driving left-handed layup, and he hit a pull-up jump shot uh, in pick and roll where he didn't have much separation, and he rose up and knocked it down. It was like just inside the three-point line, so I'm not worried about Dame in the big picture. Last Bucks player I wanted to shout out was Malik Beasley. Got super hot, made six threes. Uh, something to keep in mind, because I, I talked a lot about how I view Beasley more as a bench player in the big picture, and I think Pat Connaughton can start. This is something he's capable of doing, though. Like He played really, really poorly with the Lakers last year, but he still had four games where he hit six-plus threes. Like, when he gets hot, he can get unconsciously hot. And, and it, it, that's just kind of part of the Malik Beasley experience. It comes in waves with him. And I think that's an interesting way for them to approach the rotation, especially when it comes to the Pat Connaughton, Malik Beasley kind of decision-making process. Is like you can go with whichever one of them is hot. You know, I think Pat Connaughton's got a higher floor, but there's no doubt that Malik Beasley has a higher ceiling, and you can kind of make that read as the coach based on which one of them is playing better in that moment. All right, let's move on to the mailbag. First question is from Teddy. You mentioned in the Bucks video that they were a team that were honest with themselves and about their weaknesses and then they made a move. Are there any other teams in the league that need to do that and make a trade? I know you've mentioned the Cavs, but anyone else? I put down three teams. The Bulls, I just think it's amazing that they've been running it back despite basically being a below 500 non-playoff team while being fully healthy last year. Uh, with that kind of star talent on the roster that all has trade value, got like... DeMar DeRozan's on an expiring deal and brings real uh, uh, like like playmaking and scoring. You have to think that he's valuable to a, a contending team that can take a chance on him to give them an up, you know, like a like a potential upside during this season and then cap space in the big picture, right? And then obviously Zach Levine is another guy that a lot of teams have been linked to over the years. So it's just kind of weird to me that they've continued to run it back that way. I, I still think the Bulls end up blowing it up at the deadline, but we'll see. The Miami Heat, like you just don't have enough talent. How many times are you going to keep running it back with Jimmy and Bam and Spo? And obviously, I think that group needs to stay. But I wish they'd get more aggressive on the periphery to try to bring in some talent. I'd love to see them go after James Harden, even though it's a a risk, just because there is a window here. Jimmy is getting older, right? Like, and you just simply don't have enough talent. So I'd like to see them get aggressive. And then lastly, the Clippers. Uh, if if they can't be healthy in the playoffs this year again, at a certain point, it's your fault if you keep running it back, right? And like maybe it all works out and they win the title this year, and I'm not saying they should do it now, but if they get to the end of the season and someone else has the trophy again and Kawhi or Paul George were unable to finish the season, at what point do you just acknowledge that that's the reality of the predicament with those two as your foundational stars and make a move at that point? Uh, next mailbag question. D'Angelo Russell said that he wants to shift his game into playing like Derek White. If you could give D'Lo an NBA player to study and replicate, who would it be? My answer would be Mike Conley. Um, so I, I actually think the Derek White comp makes a lot of sense on a couple of levels. Derek White is definitely a better athlete. He's a little more slender, a little quicker, a little bit longer, uh, has longer arms, better shot blocker, things like that. But he's also a very, very smart team defender, and that's something that that D'Angelo Russell is capable of being. D'Angelo Russell is big. He actually has a decent amount of size. And so playing passing lanes and, and, and switching systems, and, and, and uh, he actually has been competing a lot in ball screens this year, getting over the top and back pressuring. 
But like in general, just by being in the right spot where you're supposed to be in the scheme while having a decent set of physical tools like he does, you can be an impactful defender. And then on the offensive end of the floor, it's kind of a very similar role in the sense that like, you know, a lot of times the Celtics, even though they're a Tatum and Brown led team, they would use Derek White to get the defense in rotation because of his ability to get dribble penetration. And, you know, D'Angelo Russell is just it's less about dribble penetration with him and more about his ability to methodically work and pick and roll and make the right reads, which generate those closeout opportunities, which is kind of a similar type of impact, right? Like if you generate a closeout opportunity for an athlete on the wing, that's every bit as good as you slashing by your man, right? It's just who can draw multiple defenders and make the right reads, which is something I think D'Angelo Russell can do at a high level still. I think Derek White is the perfect comp for him, and I'm not surprised at all that he said so. Last mailbag question from Luke. You talk a lot about injury luck and luck in general being necessary for a championship. Do you think that is part of the reason that Pat Riley did not throw the kitchen sink in for Dame? Because he can reasonably convince himself that injury luck had bounced the other way in any of the past four years, the Heat would have won the chip. Bam and Drogic in 2020, Harrow and Jimmy in 2022, and Harrow in 23. So, and then there's a, a second question from Luke. Also, will Hoops Tonight be getting exclusive content on the channel throughout the season or mostly just repost? I'll answer that in a second. But the gist of it is, is like, I tend to think you need both. Like, yeah, you do need injury luck to win the title. But have you noticed I don't have the Miami Heat listed as a top-tier contender? Like, I don't have them listed there because as of right now, they simply do not have enough talent to go toe-to-toe with the very best teams in the league. They're, they're usually good at exposing the flawed teams that are above them, but every year they do eventually run into a team that just simply brings too much firepower to bear. And, and so, like, again, like, yeah, you need luck. Yeah, Dame is a particularly risky pick as a guard who's 33 years old or whatever. But at the end of the day, you just simply don't have enough talent right now. So luck isn't even a factor for you because you don't you don't have the firepower. So I, I think they should be aggressive anyway. And the second part of his question, will Hoops Tonight be getting exclusive content on that channel throughout the season or mostly just repost? The, uh, my shows with Colin Cowherd will, will be on the volumes feed, but everything else is going to be on the Hoops Tonight channel. Just imagine every the way last year went from the standpoint of our content being on the volumes channel – all of that will just be on the Hoops Tonight channel now. The only thing that's going to be different this year compared to last year is we're using breakout clips. Now, what that means is every day I'm going to do a show like this. This show is going to be right around 40 minutes. Most of them are going to be around the same length, maybe a little shorter during the season, right? Like that 30, 40, 50-minute clip is actually going to have four or five topics, right? And what ends up happening is the YouTube thumbnail is limited in how much we can market and the title is limited in how much we can market. It's why half of you guys think all I talk about is the Warriors and Lakers, even though I talk about every team in the league, right? And so uh, what we do, what we're going to do this season is we'll have the full show, but then we're going to do breakout clips for every segment. So if you're a Celtics fan and you only want to listen to the segments that are uh, about the Celtics... All you got to do is go to the YouTube channel and look for a Celtics thumbnail and it'll be in there somewhere. If you're an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, just go look for that, right? So like when we're doing our game breakdowns during the season, if I cover five games on a uh, on a Thursday morning after a jam-packed Wednesday night slate, it'll be one big show, but there will be, you know, like 
you know, it'll be like Lakers Nuggets for one of them, and it'll be like, you know, Warriors Kings for another one, and there will be individual breakout clips in the channel so you can see. Now, we are going to try to change the marketing so that there's like a very clear distinction between the two. So, like, the thumbnails for the full shows will look one way, then the breakout clips will look a little different just so it's easier for you guys to see. But it's going to be the same coverage. It's just going to be parsed out into more videos just so that people that are from the smaller fan bases can still see their content. And look, I get it. I am a Lakers fan, so I talk a lot of Lakers. They're also the largest fan base in the NBA, so I talk a lot of Lakers. I also talk a lot of Warriors, right? I'm going to talk about a lot of the bigger teams in the league a lot, but I also talk about the rest of the teams. And if you get sick of hearing that stuff, I want to have you guys be able to easily access the content that you're looking for. But we have big plans for that YouTube channel this year. It's going to be more active than we have been in previous years. Um, so just keep an eye on that feed over the course of the season. All right, guys, that's all I have for today. We got, we got one more show this week. We're going to go tomorrow. I think I'm going to do rookies. I think I'm going to uh, go deep dive on like a Men Thompson and a Sar Thompson and, and Chet, who's uh, technically going to be playing his first full season, and Victor Wembanyama, or, and Brandon Miller is a guy I haven't talked about yet. Scoot Henderson's a guy I haven't talked about yet. So I think I'm going to do rookies tomorrow. And then Monday, we're going to do like kind of a big picture season preview, just talking about some predictions. And then Tuesday night, instant reaction videos to both of the games before we head into the groove. All right, guys, I appreciate you, and I will see you tomorrow. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.